Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 330, Outreach and Promotion. This morning, Matt and I get together and talk about content creation, advertising, and reaching out to potential customers. We also get into a discussion on the stigma that exists for starving artists and people's expectations that artists should have to pay their dues and sleep in the van when they're on tour. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Recording in progress. Hey. Yeah, it was such, such a lovely voice. <laughs> recording in progress. <laughs> I wonder if we can change your voice. I know, I wish we could. I, pre- I prefer Australian. So. Uh, yeah, I like the British one. Yeah, yeah. Either of those will work. I have a a, a female um, Australian who is from uh, the UK. Originally grew up there and then moved to Australia. So she has like this sort of hybrid uh, uh, British Australian accent. Uh-huh. And and I joke with her because I um, I have uh, an Australian female voice on my GPS. Right. And it, it instructs me to leave the motorway, you know, when we come to. An, <laughs> and, uh, and so I ask her whenever I talk to her to, to, um, to say that for me because oh, she sounds just like my GPS. So <laughs> she, she please leave the motorway. It. Yeah. <laughs> Could you please tell me to leave the motorway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine is, mine is British and I do laugh sometimes. It amuses me while I'm taking directions. <laughs> yeah. How it pronounces some of the street names. Like, that is not how you say it. So, how's your morning? Um, fine. How's your morning? <laughs> Good. Have you, uh, have you recovered from all of your travels? Oh, I guess. Yeah, back in the swing of things. Back in the swing of things. That's where I'm at. So what are we talking about today, Doug? Oh, let's see. Um, I think that you had said you had some things like, uh, um, what promotion and outreach on your mind. Oh yeah. Outreach and, uh, outreach and promotion. But but that's all you gave me. So I don't know really (laughs) what you wanted to do. Well, you know, it's just kind of like new client acquisition, reaching out to people, keeping up top of people's minds. Um, I've seen some of your posts lately. They, um, I don't know if they're advertisements or just. Or just actual post posts, um, but they seem very polished, and I just kind of wondered how those were working out for you, and oh, how well, much time you. you spent on them, and and what's your ROI? I don't know. I'm just yeah. kind of rethinking how I'm doing a lot of things. Well, um, my you know, I develop a lot of that stuff in in Canva. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a tip for someone: uh, find a find a tool that works well for you that makes it easy. I don't use Canva for um, actually doing my posts, but I could because it has a post schedule in there. I do have a oh, pro yeah. account. And then, you know, the I might spend up to 30 minutes on, you know, a, a couple of the posts I did this last week that maybe you're talking about, you know, I didn't have any more than 25 or 30 minutes in those uh, from start to publish, you know? Okay. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, I really like Canva. It's a nice tool. It works for me. I'm, uh, I'm not a graphic designer. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it allows me to create some stuff that I think is visually nice and mm-hmm. um, 
you know, and then whatever kind of message that I kind of have that I want to go, uh, um, I didn't promote any of those posts. They're, um, everything's a promotion. Everything's an ad, <laughs> you know. Um, and technically, uh, you know, yeah, some of I guess it, all, all posts are, are kind of like ads for your either your personal brand, right? Or your, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. So I had one po- here. This is interesting. So I had one post that um, was about uh, comparison to AI mastering. Okay. And um, which maybe you saw that one. And I, and I thought that was Probably. a visually um, uh, really nice looking um, uh, video. Yeah, that one caught and, my eye. And the, the impetus for that particular one is I had the opportunity to hear a mix along with three versions of an AI master. Okay. And, um, and so I did a blind AB on it. And because uh, I wanted to remove myself from it and, mm-hmm. and any, um, uh, you know, bias that I might have in it. So, so I just set up a blind A-B test in metric A-B. And I, uh, I you know, so I had the, uh, the mix uh, that the guy gave me as A. And then I set the other three up as B um, tracks. And then, you know, you can select those. Uh, as you go and then switch a B and stuff like that. And so I had, uh, I, I had some, some help, uh, had, I gave, uh, a family member instructions to, uh, to click on, you know, e- either the AB button. And then if it was the B button to choose a, uh, one of the versions mm-hmm. and then click on the level match okay. and then let me, let me know when that was ready. And then I would, uh, we would flip back and forth. I didn't know if it was the, the, the mix or if it was the, um, the AI mastering versions. And we went through it back and forth, back and forth. I chose the mix every time as the best representation of, oh, interesting. of the song. So the unmastered was, mix sounded better than the AI mastered mixes to me. Okay. And, and so, and, and honestly, I did it that way. And, um, uh, because I, I wanted it to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and try to have it unbiased and, but I wanted to also listen to it on here in my studio. So, um, so anyway, I thought it was kind of a cool setup. You know, I, I let the mix engineer know that I'd take his mix over those any day, you know, and just publish that. Cause yeah. you know, that, that, you know, <laughs> that was a great mix. And I, uh, and I, I really thought the other ones were garbage. They, I mean, it was, uh, crushing dynamics mm-hmm. and, so loud, I couldn't believe the uh, the level that they had uh, oh, really? pushed us to. Um, the three masters were of different uh, uh, configurations that you could choose on right. the uh, on the service. Um, mm. the The one that was the most moderate um, was actually decent. Uh, dynamics were still there and everything, but it just loaded up the mid range so bad that it lost a bunch of clarity. Um, and, uh, yeah. So anyway, that was the, the reason that I did that post. Cause I was just like, not impressed. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, you know, if people listen back and forth, you know, and, and to really compare and, and, and to be, uh, uh, real critical. Uh, I'm going to guess that they do, getting, but they know? don't listen to it level matched because, you know, yeah. everybody thinks that if it's louder, it sounds better. And that's kind of a psychoacoustic thing. Yeah. And um, if the masters are simply louder and nothing else changes, it would already sound better. So probably that's what they're hearing is the level difference and not necessarily a quality difference. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't know, as far as outreach, it's, it's really, for me, I think the stuff that I publish is really just reaching the people I've already connected with. And I, and I, I feel very little that, uh, I get a lot of, of, uh, new clients as a result of what I, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, of my content and, yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's interactions and, and things like that. It might get like some awareness or whatever, you know, uh, I occasionally get a new follower or two, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, uh, but none of that, uh, turns into, to clients. Um, my, uh, the, be- the best thing for me is to reach out to, uh, you know, to artists and studios that I'd be interested in working with and just let them know, Hey, I'd love to work with you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that actually has been the most successful thing I, I, I ever do. And that's, and that that's makes sense. A, Cause the other, yeah. the other way of doing it is more passive and you're right. You're kind of already speaking to the audience that you've already connected with. And I think yeah. your goal needs to be different there. Your goal needs to be just staying on top of mind and not yeah. necessarily, you know, a new client acquisition, new follower acquisition, right? Yeah. Now the idea of paid ads is to reach new followers, new, uh, you know, new clients. And, um, and, uh, to be honest, I, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really succeed for me. Um, and I think I've had good ads. I think the, uh, the content that I've put out there, um, you know, it's not like it's crappy content. Um, uh, you know, it's not, it may not be the best, but it's, it's good content. You know what I mean? And, um, uh, so I don't think it's the content itself. I think it's just the the area that um, advertising in. Now I do know other mastering engineers who say that their ads perform really well for them. Hmm. Um, you know, so that's kind of crazy and makes me want to spend more money on ads to keep trying. You know, but uh, um, yeah, you know, it just uh, the, the ROI on on social ads just hasn't stacked up for me. So. Yeah. Well, let me ask the. You, that's an interesting thing that you just said. So other mastering engineers, so people who are doing exactly what you do are having good luck with paid ads. Are they doing something differently? Have they been doing paid ads longer? Or what do you think the difference is? Uh, I'm not sure. It may be that they already have a, uh, uh, you know, a, a huge catalog or, or, or the people that they've worked with um, uh, that I haven't worked with. There's something along those lines, you know, so they're reaching um, uh, a segment, uh, through like really kind of a referral of, of, uh, you know, of their catalog. Yeah. I think because those mastering engineers are bigger than me. <laughs> so it, it may be, it may be that because they have more of a, of a base of operations that they would be more successful regardless. Probably. Because there, I mean, there comes a point where word of mouth, and it's it's like a survivor bias thing. Like everybody seems to think that, oh yeah, word of mouth will carry me through. But word of mouth only works after you're established and already have like a, you know, that the flywheel has already yeah. been turning for a while. Client acquisition and word of mouth and everybody talking to everybody. That has that's like a you know that's a years long process for that to get any kind of momentum. Right. So if you're looking at that from outside, going well. This person's getting a lot of new clients or whatever or fans for, for you know, just by word of mouth. Well, they've been around long enough to have that take care of itself, and they had to do something initially that was different than that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And the 
in my in my experience, word of mouth has always been the absolute best way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, just direct contact and reaching out is has always been you know the next best way. So um, you know if you have the opportunity to, to hang your shingle, you know in in someone's yard, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I right. mean. Right. Uh, uh, you know, that's, that's always a good thing. Cause then the neighbors get an idea. Oh, they, you know, so, and sure. the same, they, the same old's true, you know? So if, uh, some artists in this, in a similar genre or, or whatever, um, are connected to people that you work with, then, uh, the opportunity, you know, if there's a referral or even if they just happen to notice that you did the work for them, that that's another thing. It's, it's super important that the people that you work with and, and me and you, uh, give credit as much as possible, you know, mm-hmm. and tag and link and, and, uh, you know, and promote others, uh, as yes. much as you can, yes. you know, because that, that's what we all need. Yeah. I agree with that. I'm reading an interesting book about, um, about, uh, I picked up when, on, on our trip up at Powell's in, in, in Portland, um, about being a producer in the digital era. And it's a little dated, but it's, it, you know, it was right on the cusp of, everything uh, turning digital. And um, it talks about uh, the, the importance of A&R reps, which I don't think are, are really, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think they're really that uh, influential or, or even exist as much as they used to in the past. And I'm just wondering about, um, I'm thinking out loud here, wondering about the possibility of instead of like contacting the bands and uh, the artists directly contacting producers and A&R reps. What do you think about that? Um, Is that I, something you've ever I, tried to do? I don't actually know any artists that actually use A&R reps. Um, yeah, those I, make, I know very a... few, uh, you know, recording uh, uh, independent artists that, that have managers. You oh, know, that's a good point. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, um, most uh, independent artists that I know and uh, uh, do all those things themselves. Right. Um, so that's probably uh, why I don't hear about it too much because everybody's yeah. self-producing, everybody's repping themselves. And, and that's why so many artists feel so like, you know, spread thin and burnt out because they're doing basically the, like they're wearing 10 different hats themselves. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think the, the, the artists that do have some management or do have uh, uh, PR companies working for them, I think they've got established more than your um than your typical at home uh artist i think you know yeah. um and, and not to say everyone but um you know they ha- they've had some success whether that be uh a huge number of streams somewhere but you know they they've had some commercial success to get to the point of uh you know of needing that level of service you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know and that might be I don't know if that's a an accurate statement, you know, to be honest with you, because I guess I don't know. But uh, um, just in my experience, you know, there's I don't think there's there's really anyone independent artist wise. Now, studios are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as uh, working with studios and labels and things like that. Um, and uh, uh, but the independent artists, I think, uh, are really just in the trenches doing it, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that A and R is a major label thing, and I mean, I know people who you know work at or own smaller independent labels, and I think they do their own A and R. You know, I think I think that even within small labels, they wear multiple hats. Like the CEO, I think, is out doing A and R. 
and I, 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 I don't know exactly what the, what the goal of of the small label, the independent small label is. I mean, in in one respect, it's just to be creative and and uh, to produce music. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think there might be a um, an intent to hopefully build something to a point where it's available to uh, uh, to pass off and sell to a larger label. You know, in a commercial sense. Um, you know, but, uh, or to hold on to it and to, um, and to keep rights, but, you know, the smaller labels may not be, uh, uh able to handle, uh, $250,000, uh, recording bill, you know, to, um, to front to the, uh, you know, to an artist or a band, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or whatever to, um, to produce their, their album and produce all the, um, you know, all the media and uh, you know all the promo, graphic arts, everything that goes along with that. You know, so um, it's going to take a, a, a label that's that's financially established to do that, and uh, you know, so that's a bigger deal. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think that the kind of bands that sign with smaller labels, you know, expect or need that level of budget. I think that they're doing either a lot of stuff themselves, as, as we said before in terms of um you know recording and touring like like a smaller label is not going to sign anybody unless they're already have an established fan base they've shown that they're actually going out there doing the work that they're going to be around a while and um they may be you know they may be self-funding their own recording um i see a lot of self i was just i was just watching some uh um some videos on artists who uh fairly recently that uh were uh doing a transparent disclosure of their touring costs. Oh. And so and it, like 10 grand for three weeks of touring, you know? Uh, uh, and, you know, that's um, maybe getting an okay hotel. You know, I mean, nobody wants to sleep in the van, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, uh, so it's gas is a big deal. Right. And, um, and then uh, lodging and food, mm-hmm. you know, so, so all the transportation costs and, you know, and then anything that arises with, uh, um, you know, having that also includes um, them getting paid, you know, because, sure. um, uh, you know, to, to you got to get you got to make money, you know, so that's uh, <laughs> the cost of the, the band members and things like that, too. And um, hiring of uh, of musicians, you know, uh, at different places. So, uh, you know, if if you've got uh, um, a need you know, to bring a sax player in, uh, but you mm-hmm. don't have a sax p- player in your band, you know, because you recorded yeah. a studio album that has sax on it. And so you need to hire a sax player in each venue that you're going to or whatever to cover that, um, you know, that that kind of thing, you know, so so paying for uh, uh, subcontracted uh, uh, musicians to sit in right, with you, right. stuff like that. So. Yeah, and of course, you're going to have to hire a booking agent, you know, at the very yeah. least. Yeah, I think a lot of these were, were actually uh, trying to do that type of stuff themselves, you know. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So booking agent. Um, so there's there's tons of costs, but you know, just on, to do it on the bare minimum, you know, and and, and travel expenses, some flight costs, um, right. uh, and then uh, trying to recoup if anything goes wrong, someone gets COVID, you know, and you've got to cancel two weeks of shows. You know, or whatever the case oh, may be. Yeah. Um, you know, some something's going to happen on the road that that messes you up, mm-hmm. changes your travel expenses. You know, uh, uh, 
you know, you've gone from hoping to get done in three weeks to now it's going to be uh, six weeks, you know, and uh, uh, you have a choice of traveling uh, 1,500 miles back to wait it out for two weeks or paying for expenses where you're at for for, <laughs> for waiting it out, you know, or whatever, or something like that happens. Yeah. And they were talking about that. Um, that and, sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they're like, this stuff, ha- you know, always, something always happens, you know, and, and drives yeah. prices up. So you, it's all the unforeseens. But yeah, so so 10 grand for uh, for traveling around. And that's just, that's not across the country. That was like a West Coast tour. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so all the way up through California um, into Oregon and Washington. And that was it. So, wow. Yeah. So I think it's it's pretty expensive to get out there and move around, you know, and and uh, you know, and tour. So it's if you think about a larger band and having, you know, uh, you've got, oh you've got your sound engineers, you know, sure, sure, you know, and you've got your PA equipment, and, and uh, you, know, so you probably and have to, you may have to rent PA if you don't own your own, you know, or the mm-hmm. venue PA, and then pay the venue sound engineer, and you know, so there's all that kind of thing too. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> and it sounds like you're probably not making it back either. Yeah. <laughs> you can't sell $10,000 worth of t-shirts in three weeks. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, is it true that that uh, touring is uh, is more about promotion and the monies and albums? Well, that's sales? what I was going to say. That's what it used to be. It used to be that the tour was the promotion for the album sales, but, uh, you know, Apart from, you know, boutique vinyl collectors, I, I don't know that people are selling um, that much albums. I feel like the merch and is, is the more uh, lucrative thing than, uh, you know, people aren't getting money off of a Spotify streams, as we all know. Um, that's why you see so many established bands having, you know, you know, whiskey and tequila and beer and clothing lines because even the big bands aren't aren't making that much money on their on their uh, traditional income streams. So they're all diversifying. It's all very interesting. Um, I would really be interested to see the behind the scenes of all that and who's making money and how they're making money. And and uh, it, it, I, I still feel that at the independent label ver- uh, level, uh, a lot of it is simply just a passion project. Like you, you specialize in a genre as an independent label because you're passionate about that genre and you want to bring that to more people. And it's not necessarily because you want to sell your, your label off or you want to make a you know, million dollars. I mean, the CEO of the small label I'm thinking of, he's got a day job uh, in, in the medical field, you know, <laughs> and he does this as a passion project because he loves the music. And I think he's out doing A&R in addition to being the CEO of the, of the label. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of that. I think it's yeah, almost more passion than it is about the money to some degree. One of the interesting things on um, that whole topic that, that came up with the different uh, uh, sources that I was, uh, you know, watching videos and, and reading and so uh, such about was that the uh, there's a stigma that people expect artists to starve, um, to be starving mm-hmm. artists, you know. And, um, and in many of the cases, like if you, if you look at discussion and comments and things like that, um, people are ridiculing them for getting a hotel, you know? Is that Um, still true? What's that? Is that still true? Because I know that we, I remember being, you know, a teenager and when you're, when your band 
you know, that you love so much suddenly has a, has a song in a commercial. You're like, Oh, they sold out, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, well, well they are trying to make money, you know? I mean, as, yeah. as you get older, you realize that, you know, they're not doing this for free. They're trying yeah. to make money. That's the whole point. That's why they want you to buy their records and go to their, go well, to their concerts. Yeah. I think it is still true. I think there's, there's still that uh, stigma that uh, artists shouldn't make money, you know? And if they do, uh, and do anything commercial with it, you know, they've sold out. I think that's still a thing, you know. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you're not uh, hardcore uh, touring and albums and, and you know. Uh, <laughs> Sleeping in your van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a real musician unless you sleep in your van. You know, right. I, you know I, I, I'm not going to disagree that, that part of me thinks that that is part of paying your dues is coming up that way and learning it from that level and then appreciating it later on when you do make it bigger. But I don't, I don't have anything against, you know, I'm like, when I hear somebody's music in a commercial, I'm like, well, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Now it's like music that, you know, well, I, you know, I'm and like, there's oh, sync hey. and everything else. And, uh, you know, so yeah. there's so much that we, um, really never considered long time ago. Um, you know, but about, uh, music that, that actually, I mean, uh, the quantity of music that's actually made specifically to be a commercial, um, seems to be, sure. Uh, sure. maybe I'm just more aware of it now, um, as opposed to them going, Hey, that's a great album. I love that song. We want to make, put that on a commercial, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's more like, okay, here's a commercial and we need you to write some music just for this, you know? But, uh, yeah, I always thought that about that Lenny Kravitz song fly away. It was like, I'm going to fly away. I'm like, I, I just remember thinking, God, this sounds like he wrote this for an airline commercial. Yeah, and then yeah. I saw it in an airline commercial. I was like, "Clever man, clever man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything. I know I've thought that about songs before too. You know? Yeah, it is. It is funny. I do think that you know, being on the other side of the of the of the board or whatever, we and being older, we do have a different perspective um, than we used to whether that's just, you know, age and maturity or whether that's, you know, being able to see behind the scenes or, or what, but yeah, I mean, I distinctly remember being, you know, a teenager and going, Oh, they sold out. They sold out. I don't think that, but, uh, I, and, and, and sure I've, I've changed. The industry has changed too. And I, I, I actually am surprised to hear that that's still kind of a thing. I'm trying to think if I've heard my kids say that. I think I have probably. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of fascinating, though, isn't it? That kind of perception, like you're not a real artist unless you're sleeping in a van and yeah. scraping by and eating only, you know, happy hour food, <laughs> <laughs> frozen burritos, and maybe the per maybe the perception there is that those people who are going through that hardship, those musicians that are going through that level of hardship, are doing it because they love the music that much. Yeah, and they love, to, love to play. Right. And they're yeah. doing it for the love of music. And then when they get older and are doing it for money, it just feels like disingenuous. Maybe that's part of the. Yeah, but part of the perception problem. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have this thing that we need to do, to, which <laughs> is like paying our bills and paying our bills. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> I know. Nothing's so, free, man. Nothing's not, free. <laughs> not to say you have to have a lavish lifestyle or anything like right. that. But, you know, I mean, even if you're. Um, um, you know, have a, 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 a modest, nice apartment or something like that. Uh, like, oh, soft tacos. Oh, you're so posh. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, but uh, yeah. um, that's even that is expensive, you know. Well, I don't know. Uh, I imagine rentals around your your area are like ridiculous. Oh uh, yeah, they're ridiculous. I don't think you can even do it without roommates at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think the um, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, five or six hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom around here. Sounds so, cheap to me. <laughs> sounds pretty cheap to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know. In San um, Francisco, that's like how that's like l- less than you charge somebody to put their car in your garage. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd have Not to kidding. have like um uh, you know, three or four people to get an apartment each what? Uh, uh 11 or 1200 dollars a month or something like that each or Mhm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm about to find out cuz my Son's <laughs> going to be looking for an apartment soon. <laughs> and that's in, in L.A., right? Uh, no, no. He just moved up here. Oh, okay. Yeah, he started working here this week. So he's the one that's living with us right now. Gotcha. So he's going to be looking for an apartment with his other uh, teacher friend. And they're going to, we're going to see how long it takes them and where they end up and how much it costs. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> that, was a, that was a subject change a little bit. But, um, Anyway, outreach and promotion. <laughs> no, I do a lot of passive outreach. I know you do too. Um, I'm doing. I do a lot of um, content marketing type stuff. Um, I don't. I don't really do any paid ads. I did dabble in it. Um, I didn't dabble in it long enough to see any kind of ROI. So, but it didn't really seem to be working for me. Yeah. Uh, if, if you wait long enough, you'll get offers and. Um... You know, like uh, uh, Google Ads, they'll 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 offer you a certain amount uh, if you spend this much, we'll ma- we'll match it type of yeah. offers. You know, they're um, expensive though to be. Yeah, with. yeah. I mean, you know, you can um, you might get like a a, a three hundred dollar ad and and uh, get six hundred dollars worth of advertising from them for mm-hmm. a month. You know, and I think for for Google advertising, that's that's pretty typical. That's a kind of budget you should probably uh look at having um uh you know for that type of advertising uh it's you know if you, if you've got 50 60 bucks you can do a uh a really nice ad uh for 30 days or something like that on Instagram and Facebook you know yeah yeah um so budget wise you know you, uh, um you know that uh, uh might make a lot more sense yeah, that's where I think I would go first at this point if I was uh, going to do it again, which I may. And they'll send out, uh, they'll send you uh, um, ten dollars off, Facebook ten dollars off, or whatever. Instagram you know, ads. that's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, try it. You know, that's all I can say is is give it a try and see what happens. You know, if uh, if they give you a ten off, then then put twenty into it, so it only costs you ten, and you know, and see what happens for fifteen days or something like that. You know, right, right. And, uh, you go through the tools, it'll tell you how many people you're reaching. And once you're running it, you'll get some feedback and it'll help you understand who's actually seeing you, um, right. which is it was interesting. So uh, geography, you know, what cities people are in, uh, yeah. whether they're male or female, um, you know, and uh, overall percentages, how many people actually clicked on the link and did something, um, interacted right. in some way. Um, so you get a little bit more of an understanding about what's going on in your account that way yeah i agree so it's kind of cool in that respect just even if you just do it once to just get an idea and a feel for who your audience is yeah that's a good point um sometimes it's worth it just to find out that information that you might not have found out because those metrics and the tools that they have um 
are, are just, they're very deep. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot there, but yeah, no, I was just, I was just curious, um, what your goals were with that? Because I, I, I do think that, um, the graphics and stuff that you come up with are, 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 are well done in my opinion. And, um, they do jump out at me. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh, you know, I, the, I have, um, approached it less from, I want this to generate new business to more to, uh, um, here's a message I feel like I want to put out, you know, mm, and it's more of an internal thing. Uh, uh, you know, th- this is my point of view or, you know, it's it may be asking a question. Have you considered this? Or you know, uh, is it? Do you know? <laughs> you know, and because uh, I'm wondering, do people know this? You know, and and do they? Uh, you know, either do they listen or um, are they you know, aware of something? And and uh, that I am, and um, and I'm trying to share that in some way. And if hmm. that sparks interest in in, I, I guess really what I'm looking for is maybe some interaction, some dialogue. Uh, you know, and actually having a conversation about something with someone. Because um, oh, that would be good. And, th- and that would actually be the beginning of of developing a relationship if someone was, um, you know, looking for my services anyway, you know. So yeah, um, yeah. that's the way I'd like to start. But I kind of like that. I kind of like that approach. It's definitely more organic and less salesy. Yeah. Because the, the thrust of your message so is so much different. of that stuff out there, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, the other thing, and I'm curious about this, is I've heard and read that um, that the people that come to you now are the people that heard about you like six months to a year ago. Yeah, which yeah. is like it's it's such a it's such a long game. It's such a um, you know it's like a, such a slow burn. Then and, and you, that's why you have to keep putting out there because those seeds that you plant they don't they don't grow for a while. Somebody's clicking on it right away. The whole thing about seeing a message seven times before. You're ready to you're ready to you know make a purchase. Yeah, uh, has been true for a long time. I think I just I just want to say it's okay to introduce yourself, um, it, but but it's in, it's important in how you do that. Yeah, and uh, you know, and including uh, a crapload of your catalog links and and other crap in uh, in that introduction is not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but but to but to introduce yourself. And to say this is what you do, and uh, it'd be cool to get to know you. And uh, anyway, have a great day. You know, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. So, Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that philosophy, and I like that approach. And um, I know it resonates with me, and I was curious how it resonates with people who contact you. Yeah, actually, that, like I said, that works great. So it's uh, second, second only to direct referrals from others. Yeah. Well, thanks, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I know I turned this a little bit into a Doug interview, but I did that on purpose. That's, yeah. I think that's something that you do, um, in my opinion, that you do well. And I just wanted to see if it was working as well as it seemed to be. Oh, you know, it works like it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the goal is to, uh, I guess, to stay busy and, and work with music, you know, and, uh, um, if uh, uh, just try and keep uh, that at the center of uh, of my primary purpose, you know, and uh, mm. I feel like other things will fall in place. Cool. Well, I think that's about it for this week, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, everybody, 
Hope you enjoyed the show and thank you for listening and watching. Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you. All right. Have a great week. All right. Peace everybody. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating.